Can I pop a beer in here? Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams Boston Lager is my go-to beer. Not too heavy, not too light. Oh boy. <sighs> That's, oh no. Is that on the computer? Sam Adams Boston Lager. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. You love the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me get it. This is the Kelly Green Show. We're a bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. For the next few weeks of the offseason, we are going to see the business side of the NFL. Although the Eagles are not in a good cap space to maintain all the veterans we have loved over the years, we got some news that several starting veterans are restructuring their deals. Lane Johnson and Brandon Graham are reportedly working to restructure at this point, and we are also learning that Darius Slay and Jason Kelsey's contracts were reworked to free up some money in the short term in order to get under the cap ahead of the league's new year on March 17th. I am so excited to talk to my next guest about all things Eagles and the new latest news around the Eagles. He's covered Super Bowls, World Series, and spent time at ESPN before coming to Philadelphia as the sports director at 6ABC in 2012, Deuces Rogers. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Deuces. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. It is a pleasure to get to speak to you about everything going on with the team. But before we get into the, all of the latest news with the team, I would love to talk to you about yourself. You are from Chicago. You started out as a, a reporter at Ch- in Chattanooga, Tennessee, went on to Miami and New York, and then you went to ESPN before landing at 6ABC in Philly. I'd love to get my listeners a little bit more of an experience and more information on you. So is there anything that uh, most people don't know about you that we could learn today? Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, so the bio pretty much covered where I, where I went um, through my travels in the, in the TV business. Um, the one thing I would say is bouncing around from city to city, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of keep those allegiances. You know, like I grew up in Chicago, so... My first love growing up was baseball. I was a Cubs fan like crazy. Uh, I left Chicago in 94. Um, so it, it's really hard. I guess it's easier now with the internet that you can keep track of your teams. But begin, becoming a sportscaster, you don't become so much fans of teams. You become like fans of players. And so those relationships you, you uh, develop with certain players, no matter where they go, you end up following them and like, you know, that's my guy. I like that guy. Um, and that's why um, the 2017 Eagles team, that was, that was a fun team to cover. It was a bunch of good guys on that team. So no matter where those guys end up, you know, Nick Foles, Trey Burton, no matter where those guys end up, you know, you still kind of follow them. And you still kind of root for them. And don't get me wrong. I still want the Eagles to do well. But um, when you have those guys that you kind of, you know, came close with, you want them to do, uh, be successful in their, uh, for their travels. But uh, as you mentioned, my career, uh, Miami, eight years, New York, five ESPN three and then here um certainly happy to be here um the the sports fans here in Philadelphia are that's what makes it you know I mean obviously you know the teams are you know everything's surrounded around the teams but I don't think it'd be as fun to cover these teams if the fans weren't weren't as passionate as they were um New York there's so much going on in New York um fans kind of check in check out and a lot of 
front runners, you know, oh, I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. You know, were you a Yankee fan in the 80s? Probably not. You know what I mean? <laughs> Miami, there's so many people from Miami who, uh, that live in Miami who aren't from Miami, so there's no real. You know, I, covered, I covered Miami Dolphins football games, um, playoff games that were not sold out. You know, that, wow. That's just sad. You know I mean, it's, you know I mean, or they'd have to get, because the NFL blackout rules, they had to get TV stations to buy tickets, you know, to ensure that the game would be televised. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. And then ESPN, it's a, more of a national thing. You're kind of covering everything. But uh, to land here has been, been tremendous. I love to hear about that. I know um, just from my own experience of living outside of Philadelphia from time to time, you do see how different it can be in other markets. So I totally agree with you on that. Um, You've covered so many sporting events over the course of your career. Any funny celebrity or athletes that you've encountered that you'd be willing to speak about? Um, Yeah, that's a a good question. Um, I will say this. You definitely run into a lot of celebrities and athletes. You know, obviously obviously athletes in this business, but celebrities too. Um, A cool little tidbit story, and and I've I've, I've told this to other people. When I worked in Miami – um, this is going, this is like 1995, 96. There was a guy who was a former University of Miami football player who would call my station every week begging us to do a story on him. He was transitioning into a new career as a professional wrestler. Um, wow. And his name was Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. <laughs> and I, 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 I mean, he was literally wow. hustling. He would call our station every week. Hey, uh, hi, my name's Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if you remember me. I was a defensive tackle at, uh, with the Canes, you know, last year. I'm wrestling. We're going to be doing a show at, you know, blah, blah, blah. Can you guys come out and cover us? And it's probably like four or five weeks in a row he called us. And eventually we did the story. Um, I didn't Self-promotion at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you fast forward to, you know, 10, 15 years later, he's the biggest, not wrestler, the biggest, like, movie star on the planet. Uh, right. And, and I... You know, and I've I've run into him like at you know places and stuff like that. I've never recounted the story to him again, but um, he was so hungry and humble back then. And and I, you know, they're actors, so who knows how they are now? But I assume he's still the same way. But um, I it, I just thought it was it's almost like Jay Z selling the you know the mixtapes you know in the trunk right. of his car. You know what I mean? Doing That's whatever, incredible. Right, doing whatever he could to get ahead. And, you know, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, ah, I should have kept that phone number, you know, when he was calling up the station back then. Absolutely. Well, at least you covered him when it happened, you know, yeah. like you yeah. could have been the guy that didn't listen to him for six weeks and he just stopped trying. But, you know, he, he kept, you know, self-persistence yeah. and that kind of deal. That's always a, a good uh, trait to have when you want to make it. Yeah. And, and another, a couple other, a couple other cool things about doing this business. So Terrell Owens. I covered him in college at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, this wow. is 1994. Um, he was on the basketball team and the football team. And in my opinion, this is back then, I thought he was a better basketball player than he was a football player back then. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was awesome in football, but he was a great basketball player. Um, but for some reason, he couldn't crack the starting rotation. He was the you know, first man off the bench. And, th- and people are not going to believe this at all. But he wasn't T.O. back then. He was uh, Terrell. He was mm-hmm. the shyest person you ever met. I mean, wow! You, you, it was hard to get an interview with him because he didn't want to do it because he was so he was so uncomfortable on camera. And I remember, like the the uh, the SID, you know, the version of the PR person for the team would have to like, hey, come on, come on, do it. And he wasn't a great speaker. He was polite and everything. And you interview him, and then you know, fast forward, you know, 
you know, six, seven, so eight years So these are later. stories to prove that you can make it if you just believe in yourself. Right, this absolutely. Is fantastic stuff. Yeah. I am so <laughs> excited to hear these kinds of stories. So I love that you shared them with me today. Um, I assume that the pandemic has been really hard for you and the whole team at ABC6. Sorry to switch the storyline up yeah. a little bit on you. But you've been covering all of the sports teams in Philly and I'm just curious, you know, how has it been for you when you need to make a deadline and there weren't even games at points during the summertime when the lockdown was really in full effect. So how did you make deadlines for the news broadcasts during the crazy pandemic that we've been living in? Um, we, I will say this, it, it made us focus, uh, shift our focus to more feature stories. And so a lot during the summer, we would um, feature athletes who basically were affected by the pandemic, who a lot of, you know, high school seniors or college seniors who who missed out on their senior year. You know, some some athletes who might have been close to breaking a record that had it taken away from them. Um, so we, we did a lot of uh, stories like that. You know, thankfully, some games came back eventually. Um, the biggest way it's really affected um, our business uh, TV wise, and probably more so for the beat writers, you know, the, the, the ones who are in the locker room every single day is not having an interaction with the players. And right. you'd be surprised at, at when you're in the locker room, you know, granted, everybody's running Jason Kelsey's locker, you know, to get an interview with him. Then the Lane Johnson and then, and then, you know, then a Brandon Graham, but it's those five, 10 minutes after the interview when the cameras are off and you're just kind of just, you know, BSing with the guy and you get a little tidbit. You know, it may be on the record, off the record, but you may get a little tidbit. And we can't do that right now. You know, the, yeah. the teams are setting up Zoom interviews, but it's not like I can pull a guy on the side on a Zoom interview when, you know, there's four, you know, 40 other reporters on there to try to get that little extra edge. Um, so it's made it uh, a little more difficult that way to get just the nuances of, of you know, something that may be happening behind the scenes with, with a pitcher on the Phillies or, you know, something that's going on in the, in the locker room. Um, so that that's been that's been really difficult. And like I said, probably for the beat writers, even even more so. I'm sure they're you know, and we all are relying on more texting players and hopefully they get back to you. But, you know, they don't always get back to you. And B, you know, some guys are reluctant to put something in a text form because there's a record of it. And if they don't want their name attached to it, you know, what I mean, right. as opposed to he just, you know kind of says something to you in a, in, a, in a corner of the locker room, you know. And I think the biggest story of this offseason is the Carson Wentz trade, mm -hmm. which it's almost like we were all, like, blindsided by how significant the rift was between right. him and the front office. And you and all of the beat writers probably didn't get a sense of how significant it was during the season because you're not in that locker room. Right. Um, so, you know, we're going to be seeing over the course of time – you know, whether or not, you know, Carson Wentz was the problem, the front office was the problem, or it was just a combination of the two that were just not working together to make things a success. So it's always an interesting thing when you're, you know, looking at the dynamics of the locker room, even just getting a sense of how people are interacting. On a usual year, we would see that. But um, you didn't really have that sense of, you know, how the dynamics were in the locker room at this year no no not at all and so we'd have to go off of what we you know what you get in the post-game interviews or the interviews during the week and you know people try to read between the lines and of course you, you got sources and you know somebody might whisper something to you and say something like you know this this is kind of going on 
what I, and like going back now, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. But you listen to some of Doug's um, post game press conferences, and and Nat, at the time you may not have been picked up on it, but you you listen to it now, and you're like, oh, maybe he was kind of hinting at, you know, we called the right plays, and and somebody you know made a bad decision, or you know, but you're yeah, right, hindsight, the, right, hindsight. But you're right, the the, the rift, it it it. it for it to come apart as quickly as it did, um, huge, huge shock. And then on top of that, for for the Eagles to basically say, you know, cut bait and cut their losses, um, a significant amount of money they already, you know, already gave Carson. And then the cap hit for 2021, that's a big pill to swallow. But yeah, during that, a down cap year. Right, right. And then that makes you that makes you think like, it, was it that bad that they that they were willing to take on all that, you know, be, to to basically get rid of him? Um, it's you know we'll find out the right, if it was the right or wrong answer, you know, in a couple of years. But you know, yeah, then, the trajectory of this team and the Colts will be compared for a long time after this transaction actually goes into official effect. Right, and 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 I don't know that's it, it's going to be hard to compare. And this is and I've I've told this to people and. It's 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 very possible that Carson does very well with the Colts, but that doesn't mean that Carson would have done as well here in Philadelphia. Right, you know, the Colts were a playoff team last year. We right, were not. Right, different personnel, different coaching, different fan base, different expectations. You know, um, the, if the Colts don't make the playoffs, you know, how much heat are they getting from their fan base? And I'm not trying to denigrate the Indianapolis Colts fan base, but it's a different animal here in Philadelphia. Uh, and, right. It, it, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? And and there's a lot of pressure to win here, and not everybody can be successful here here in Philadelphia. It, it's it, that's just the way it is. And so he could be successful there, but I don't want people to say if he goes to the playoffs and make a makes a run and gets the AFC Championship game, they're going to say, "Oh man, the Eagles messed up. How we messed up. If Carson was still here, we would have done this." It's the same way when when Nick Foles went on to Jacksonville. Right. And, you know, got hurt, but didn't have all that great success there. He goes to Chicago, not great success there. For people, to, you know, to think that, you know, that because he was, he had caught lightning in a bottle here, that it was going to work elsewhere. It doesn't always work that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that we just have to hold on to is some perspective. You know, yes. the Colts were a playoff team. We were very bad last year. <laughs> but there is context to all of that, so... You know, patience, and and we'll see. You know what exactly transpires in the next few years, but ultimately, I know just from the culture of our sports teams and our fan base that we're constantly going to be comparing the two. Yes, it's just it's just going to happen regardless of if we want it to or not. You used a great but I have word this, there, context. Context. That's yeah, a great word. Context for matters for yes. sure. So. The Kelly Green Lightning Round is a segment I do with my guests just to get to know them. Some quick questions, fun answers, uh, just to get a sense of who who I have on for my show today. So are you ready? I am ready, I think. Okay. <laughs> have you ever been out during your personal life on your time off from work and seen that news van? <laughs> yes, I have seen that news van uh, quite yeah. quite a bit, quite a bit. Yeah, it's always out there, and I always say it. I always say it when I see it driving around. So it's a good commercial, solid yes. commercial. It, it, we have lots of news vans, and they are everywhere. Yeah, I, I love it. So 
On to another commercial. What is your favorite This Is Sports Center ESPN commercial? Oh, um, you know, what a timely question because um, a friend of mine posted one on Facebook a couple, a couple of days ago that I had somehow missed. Um, really? With Manny Machado. Okay. And uh, Kenny Main starts off and he's like, ah, oh, you know, at ESPN, uh, we have childcare for our employees and we hired a new Manny. Oh, and, wow. And Manny Machado's like in the, like a playroom and these kids are like going bananas. I mean, it's like a chaos circus and he's just sitting there just flipping the ball up in the air like not a care in the world. And, uh, <laughs> not a very good – he's not a very good Manny. Exactly. And I, I thought that was uh, that was great. And then my other one is a, a real old one with uh, Evander Holyfield and Charlie okay. Steiner where um, they say like sometimes we're critical of the athletes and uh, Holyfield comes in, you know, ready for boxing and is looking for uh, one of the sports center anchors who said something bad about him and wants to beat him up. Oh, such a good one. I yeah. love that one. I, I also especially like the one with uh, Stuart Scott when he is – or Scott Stewart, sorry. And he is talking to Kobe Bryant and Keyshawn Johnson, and he's trying to teach them how to handle the media. Yes. That one's incredible. So um, on to another one. The funniest things about the internet are some of the news blooper. Perfect time to have a blooper. News bloopers. um, Any funny mess ups while on air during your career? Ooh, um, yeah, I'm sure there's there's lots of them. There was one when I when I first started off in Chattanooga. um, It was right before we're going on the air. uh, I'm I'm trying not to make the story too long, but right before we're going on the air, um, news anchor came in and said to me, "Did you see the?" um, across the newswire that um uh lindsey nelson died and i was like oh yeah sure he's like all right he's like you know he's from chattanooga right i'm like oh, what i had no idea and i'm trying to you know search who this guy was this guy was a broadcaster for the mets but he um was from chattanooga he's like you ought to get that in your sports cast and so i type it up real quick and i typed up lindsey hunter who was a basketball player <laughs> for the for the pistons at the time i didn't know the story at all long story short they tossed me at the, at the beginning of the newscast it was early we had it in the top block or whatever and um guy turns to me and he's like uh yeah it's sad um sad news that Lindsay nelson died and i said yes yeah, sad news and the uh, news anchor says really sad and i turn to the one shot my camera and i hadn't changed my script from writing something about a funny golf kicker or kind of goofy thing and it said like goofy golf and i looked at it and i realized i could not read that and for some reason i just started laughing and I literally am talking about this guy who just died and I'm like giggling through the story and it was, it was bad. And I get off the air and I'm like, Oh my God, it's awful. It was Chattanooga and like how many people are really watching. And I would get people that would stop me on the street, telling me they thought it was the funniest thing they ever saw. And I was, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Starting out your career. Yes. Yes. That's always the, the promising thing about early career stuff but yeah. you know now kids don't have that kind of grace <laughs> all of their problems are just right on the camera i think there was one recently where a girl was doing a report at a football game and the ball just like hit her in the back of the head <laughs> i was like oh man that's rough like, you know that what one... funny. you mentioned that that happened to me it, thankfully it wasn't on the air but the station put it on the air afterwards uh jamie apodi and i were live uh, we're about to go live at the um at the link for an eagles game and it might have been 15 seconds before going on and a punt or something, the ball hit me in the back of the head. I mean, hard. Did it hurt? It didn't. You know what? I think I was just so shocked. (laughs) It didn't really bother me at the time. (laughs) And then we get on the air 
and they toss it. Hey, big game. And Jamie's like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what just happened. Deuce just got it net. Like, and then later on, they somebody because the cameras were rolling and they got the tape and they put it on. It's on YouTube somewhere, I'm sure. Oh, I'll, I'll have to find that one. Uh, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Ah, uh, non-sports related. Ketchup is borderline disgusting. <laughs> I, anything it's just you sugar. Ketchup, yeah, it's, you know what? I like barbecue sauce. So anything yeah. you'd put ketchup on, I would I say put barbecue sauce on, it's better. So whether it be a burger, a hot dog, french fries, give me barbecue sauce over ketchup. Patrick Mahomes will have a word with you about that take, okay? Yeah. All right. So, speaking of really good players, who is your favorite sports legend? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I love reading sports biographies. Um, um, that's one of my favorite things to do, um, grab a book about a player. Um, I grew up in Chicago, um, so Michael Jordan, I just find yeah. find just interesting and not for not just for the fact that he's you know the greatest basketball player you know ever but the fact that he was able to handle being the greatest basketball player ever because you know with so much of the pressures and stuff like that um so he he fascinates me um Walter Payton fascinates me um another one Bob Gibson um before my time pitcher for the um for the Cardinals, um, they actually raised the mound because he was so dominant. I think it was in 1968. Wow. His ERA was like 1.12. Um, so, so those 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 are ones they just those guys are there at the top of their games. I love figuring out like how they only, handled the pressure. Yeah, so not only how they got there, but handle the pressure because it's one thing to have the God given talent and you work at it, but when you're labeled being so, so good and like, and, and Kobe's another one of just how these guys, yeah. they're just almost maniacal about, <laughs> you know, how they approach their craft. Too cool. Too yeah. cool. And but the one thing that I find um, a common, and I'm not trying, I don't want to say, tell people not to have friends, but the common thing I find <laughs> is a lot of these guys didn't have like friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were like. In like, the, in the um, practice early leaving late always right working on their craft right and then like and like when you talk to their teammates they're like yeah he was kind of a jerk you know what i mean because (laughs) they demand excellence and you know i mean it's like definitely they're not you know kobe wasn't there to be your buddy when it was time to practice or play a game you know like we're trying to win and i so those those guys uh i find just fascinating i totally agree with you so let's change the topic a little bit to the story of the whole reason I do this podcast, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles. So Howie Roseman has been calculating the numbers, moving money around to get under the cap while maintaining as much talent as possible. I think that reports that Johnson, BG, Slay, and Kelsey are going to rework their deals uh, means that the front office is doing what they can to keep leadership intact in that locker room for the young coaching staff and the roster. What do you think the business dealings that we're seeing so far uh, are going to do for us this year? And do you think that those restructures will complicate things down the road? Um, the second part, complicate things down the road, yes. Um, when you start dealing with the salary cap, um, the best analogy I can come up with, it's like refinancing your mortgage. You know, you right. get a, you get a you know, short-term, short-term relief, but you just kind of extend, extend the problem, you know, 
down the road. It's like the, the credit cards, no payment, no interest. But at some point, you know, the 18 months runs out and you got to, you know, put it on another credit card or, or do something else with it. Um, Howie had no choice. Um, they you right. got to get into the cap. You know what I mean? And and so you got to rework these. And deals. we have all of our money in the older guys. So right. it's really um, a difficult thing because you'd want to restructure some of the younger players that you have under contract. But we really don't have that many players who are young under right. contract long term. Right, right. Or that you want to get that you feel comfortable, you know, giving some money to up front. Um, the, the best if you look at the best teams, you know, in the NFL, a lot of them, you know, obviously your quarterback takes up a lot of your, a lot of your salary cap space. But if you can, if you can win with a young quarterback before you've had to pay him, <laughs> you know, you can go a long way. Cause now you can fill out your roster, you know, with the other guys, you know, you can give the money to the other guys, get some free agents in there to, um, to make things work. Um, that that's kind of how the Eagles won in 2017, you know. Right. Carson was still on his rookie deal, and it was you know. So then they were able they were able to have you know get and some. And Patrick Mahomes won when he was on his rookie right, deal. Right. And you're and you're able to you know like the year the Eagles won you know you, you get a Nigel Bradham you know you, you you get some guys you know, free agent guys you can give some little bit of money to um, because you've got money to spend, um, but at some point it catches up to you. Um, Howie's doing what he can right now, and I'm glad that, you know, because there was some talk that, you know, what if it couldn't work out, uh, Brandon Graham, would he leave? I, I think, first of all, Brandon is, you know, you can't argue what he does on the field. I mean, the, the guy is, oh, his motor goes all the time. He's, he's excellent. And he came off one of his best years this past season. Right, right. But what he means in that locker room, I mean, you mentioned it. He's a leader. He is a leader. He's a guy... Um, who the young guys look look up to and learn from, and also he's he's funny as he's funny as all hell. Um, he keeps he keeps the locker room loose. I mean he's a, yeah. he's a he's a he's a good good guy. He 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 stands in front of the media, and you know I mean he can take pressure off the other guys, and and so I think it's important that you know they they keep a guy like him around. What really worries me, and you talk about the age, what really worries me about this team is the offensive line. Um, I mean the offensive line, you know. Love Lane to death, love Lane Johnson to death, but he's coming off some injuries. He's yeah. he's he's not he's not a kid anymore. Um, you know he's he's like thirty. You know, and and he's starting. He's got some miles on there. Um, Brandon Brooks, I mean, love him to death also, but he's coming off two major injuries. You know, Kelsey, you know, he just he says he's coming back, which is great, but you know, every year I feel like he's flirting with retirement. You know what I mean, and, and I don't I don't blame. I mean, these guys beat their bodies up. I mean, like. You know, he's got kids. You know what I mean? At some point, you want to be able to, you know, you've worked hard. You know, just enjoy that money and chill, you know. And what are you going to do at left tackle? You know, is Mylotta the answer? You know, you know he's going to be cheaper, obviously, but is, you know, is he ready? Um, right. And so I, the offense line, you know, worries me, you know. And it's funny because the people who were pro Carson Wentz always pointed to the offensive line like, hey, he didn't have enough time to throw the ball. You know what I mean? And, and some of that was valid. I mean, and after right. a while, you're getting beat up like crazy. Like, I'm going to be throwing the ball away too at some point. I mean, like, you know, you, you got 1.5 seconds and, you know, you got a 300-pound defensive end, you know, in your face. So offensive line worries me right now. No, it, it definitely worries me as well. And so the draft is fast approaching. We don't have the combine or the in-person visits to see that we would normally see on a typical off-season 
PFF recently did a report on the success rate of NFL teams, and the Eagles were fit fourth from the bottom um, over the course of the past few years since 2017. So I don't want to tempt fate or anything, but it's almost like we can't get worse at the whole draft evaluation <laughs> thing. From what you've seen from the Eagles in recent drafts, what are you looking to see them do differently in this draft? Um, all right, so they've got the six pick. And here, here's – I'd love for them to finally hit on a wide receiver. Um, the last wide receiver they drafted who made a contribution or you know, a significant contribution, probably, gotta go, probably have to go all the way back to Jeremy Macklin. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been a while. Um, I mean, you know, maybe you could say Jordan Matthews, but probably yeah. not even then. Right. You know what I mean? And, and Arthago Whiteside didn't work out. And, and Rager, granted, it's just been one year and he was, you know, banged up. But, I mean, it's like, you know, it's at, at some point, you know, you got to figure you got to hit on one of these guys. Um, my, what I'm really worried about is, so the quarterback position, you know, you got Jalen Hurts. And is he your guy? Is he not your guy? If the Eagles fall in love with the quarterback, do they take one at six? Do they do they try to trade up? You know, they got a couple extra picks now. Do they try to trade up and get to number four or number three to take a quarterback they like? And like if they do that, like, I mean, this town might this town might go crazy. You know what I mean? And then are you right. set, are you setting up another I might go crazy. Right, right. And then <laughs> what are you telling Jalen Hurts? You know what I mean? Like, are you know, so are you setting up another like, you know, scenario of like, oh gosh, you know, we had our, we thought we had our quarterback, but we got another quarterback here. What are we gonna do? Um it's you're right. They've 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 missed a lot, and and I don't know that I'm ready to put it all on Howie. But you could say Howie's been the one constant. You know, Joe Douglas left a couple of years ago. So, but at the end of the day, until you really don't know who's making the final call. And I know like some things leaked out that you know maybe Rager wasn't the guy that Howie wanted, and you know Doug wanted Rager, and you know it's re- really easy to point the finger at Doug now that he's out the door. Um, and Doug hasn't, you know, hasn't said anything otherwise. He's taken the high road. Um, but you don't know. Is it is it Jeffrey Lurie saying, you know, making the final say, you know, oh, we don't want, you know, la- you know, the draft last. We don't want DK Metcalf. You know what I mean? It's like, but it feels like every person they pick. And again, we talked earlier in this podcast that hindsight is twenty twenty. But it feels like every year you see a guy on another team, you're like, man, the Eagles could have had him, but instead they yeah. took this guy. You know? Can't pass over the talent. Right. I mean, we need pro bowlers on this team, and if we're not going to have the money to invest in free agency, we've right. got to hit in the draft. You're That's just 1, bottom line. Thousand percent right. You can't. You can't, especially with a pick like six. If you're right. picking like twenty fifth or twenty eighth, and you miss, it hurts. But with, I mean, if you're on the if you're on the the top ten, top twelve, I mean, you've you've got to get a player who is going to play that year and make an immediate impact. And you're going to have this guy for four or five years until he hits free agency, you know, and if, and if he's as good as, you know, you hope to be, you lock him up even before then. And this guy's on your team, you know, eight, 10 years. Absolutely. Fingers crossed that that is the case. So I know the Eagles have been bad at drafting over the years, but you kind of talked about this a little bit before. I have a bigger concern than even the draft for next season the injury bug that seems to plague them every mm-hmm. year since the Super Bowl year even. I'm hoping under Sirianni we see a change moving forward. We 
don't limp into the season like we did last year. And let's just assume that Hertz is the starting quarterback for next year. I know we don't have all of the pieces in place to make a certain determination about what this team will be, but let's assume Hertz is the starter. If the team can stay healthy, the team that we know of so far, what do you expect from them? Ooh, that's a good question. Um <sighs> Will, will they be as bad? It's a loaded as they, question. Yeah, I know. yeah. Will they be as bad as last year? I I find that I find that hard. I mean, like, you know, it's 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 hard to win only four games. I mean, you figure. You know, I mean, you right. You know, and there is talent on the team. Um, the the one thing that I point to as a positive is, listen, last year Jalen Hurts and the whole team didn't really have. They didn't have minicamp. I know this is the way for all 32 NFL teams, but you didn't have minicamp. You didn't, you know, you, you didn't, it was kind of a watered-down training camp, and you had zero preseason games. Right. So Jalen's preseason started in Green Bay when he came right. in for Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? And so, but but he had some, he got significant snaps from that point forward to the end of the well, until that last game of the season where he got pulled, you know, for Sunbelt. Right. But the got, infamous yeah, decision. Yeah, still shaking my head over that. But, you know, he got, you know, three, four, you know, games under his belt. And I feel like that was his preseason. But it was even even, even more valuable because, you know, the, the bullets were real. You know what I mean? It, you know, it wasn't, yeah. like, it wasn't like you're playing, you know, hey, you're only going to play 10 snaps. We're going to pull you out. And you're playing against the backups or whatever. I mean, he, he was in the, in the line of fire. And I feel like that was great. You know what I mean? And now this year, hopefully, you know, the NFL has some mini camps or, you know, something like that, and they can get some preseasons and they get him coached up. You know, granted, it's a new uh, coaching staff, so everything he learned, you know, looks like it's going to change completely, he's, you know, so he's going right. to have to learn a new, ter- you know, it's like learning a new language. But he's, he's smart, and from what everybody has said about Hertz is he's got this Almost like we were talking about earlier with like Kobe and those guys. And I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's got this drive to be the best at whatever he does. And I think that serves, serves well. Um, there's, certain, there's certain people that have that it factor, um, whether they have the talent or not. I, not to go on a crazy tangent, but I remember interviewing Russell Wilson when I was at ESPN. It was right before the draft. And he came in, we did an interview, and he walked off the set, and I remember telling people, I was like, I don't care if this guy goes to become an accountant. He's going to be so successful. Just, just his demeanor, the way he carried himself. And that's why I'm not surprised that Russell Wilson is as good as he is. He just has that thing. Yeah. And I, and I kind of see that with Jalen Hurts. Um, he just has this, this desire to learn and this desire to be good. So yeah, hopefully- I've, I've, said, I've said on Twitter before that I don't think I've heard people use the term leader with – Wentz, as much as I've heard them use it with Jalen Hurts, which is a crazy trait to have as a rookie quarterback. I mean, leader constantly comes up with this kid. That's a great observation by you. That's a great observation. Yeah, you think like for a rookie or something like that to just walk in there and command the attention of of not only veterans, but people who are eight years older than he is. You know what right. I mean, so imagine you being 22, you know, walking into, you know, some new, new job and, you know, and you're telling people, hey, follow my lead. 
know what I mean? Um, yeah, and with such a controversial pick, I mean, right. in the second round last year, coming into that locker room could have been very awkward for a player. Yeah. It did not seem to matter to him whatsoever. Right, it seemed to affect the other quarterback that he did. Doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't need friends. That's a good quality, right. apparently, yeah. to be good. Right, right. right. <laughs> We've come full circle. So... <laughs> Um, you know, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. Uh, I do want listeners to get on Twitter and follow you on Twitter. I love your hat, your handle, by the way, deuce is wild spelled the way that you spell your name, not the way the movie is. I don't know if that's any correlation. Deuce is wild. Um, and then he does the sports broadcast every night uh, during the week at Action News. So please tune in to uh, see his feature stories on all the players and, and all the news, uh, you know, sports hits, highlights, all the good stuff that we uh, sports fans love to, to see every night on the news uh, at 6ABC. And, you know, as you have always heard from me at the end of my show, please subscribe to the Eagles Brawl podcast for the latest episodes of the Kelly Green Show. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, deuces, and fly, Eagles, fly. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.